0: Welcome to Bright Spot, a podcast about the best practices for parents and clinicians who support teenagers going through mental health challenges while trying to manage school.
1: Your hosts are Chris Schutzer, a school-based clinician in Massachusetts, and Lindsay Yamaguchi, also a school-based clinician in Massachusetts. In a dark time, we're here to help you find a bright spot. This podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests to the show, Bright Spot. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Privacy is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect patient confidentiality. If you or your child is in a crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest emergency department. If you're not in immediate danger but would like to speak with someone, you can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988.
0: In this episode of Bright Spot, Chris and Lindsay interview Megan Harding, Bright Family Engagement Specialist, about her work with caregivers. The episode is focused on Megan's experience, current Bright offerings for parents, and some talk about emerging from the pandemic. Enjoy the show. Hi, Lindsay.
1: Hey, Chris. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. It's feeling like fall. I'm enjoying the sweatshirt weather.
0: You're wearing a sweatshirt.
1: I am. It's like the coziest sweatshirt I own. And I got to wear it to work today. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How's your week going?
0: My week's good. Long weekend was nice. I actually got to go out of town for a stretch it was really nice to see some family friends so it was great but I feel like I'm being disingenuous right now because I did the whole hey Lindsay thing because that's how we always start but we're joined today by Megan Harding and I wanted to introduce Megan so Megan Harding is the family engagement specialist for Bright and at this point I think our listeners know very well what Bright is but Megan how are you doing
2: I'm doing so well, and I'm so happy to be on Bright Spot. I'm a big fan of Bright Spot and a fan of you both. So I'm so happy to be here.
1: We're so excited to have you, Megan. And for those of you who don't know, Megan is a family engagement specialist expert. She does so much for the Bright Network. She is also an associate dean at the School of Social Work at Smith School Social Work, and she's just an all-around kind, wonderful person. So we're so happy to have her here and learn a little bit about, Megan, what brought you to Bright and what does it mean to be the Family Engagement Specialist, why it's important to involve families in treatment, and yeah, what amazing offerings that you and your team have for any parent, any caregiver, not just caregivers who have students in Bright. So I don't know. With with that, Megan, Can you can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Well, thank you, you so it? much.
2: Yeah. That was such a very sweet introduction. And just want to say for the listeners, too, that the family engagement work that I've gotten to do and that I've really learned about doing definitely involves both Chris and Lindsay in my history, because the opportunity, I'll talk a little bit about the work, but it's been such creative work in many ways. And so I got to do creative work with both Chris and Lindsay in these roles, which I can get to in a sec. But yeah, so the, the work that I'm doing at Bright is really to partner with, I have a, I work with a team of others right now. There are three others and there will be a fourth soon. And what we get to do is both design and offer supports for actually all parents and caregivers of K-12 kids and students. So not just parents and caregivers of those who are in bright programs, but um, since the pandemic, we've opened up those kinds of supports and services and opportunities to all parents and caregivers. Um, But then in addition to that, we also consult with and provide individual thought partnership and support to folks who are running Bright programs. So I kind of think about the family engagement work as both inside and outside the programs. So there's work that we do inside the programs, which is helping brand new programs think about design, how to think family engagement into how folks are setting up their programs. So how they think about communication, how they think about really warm, family-friendly entry meetings, and how to kind of think about getting parent caregiver feedback. That's all internal. And then the external is all the work that the family engagement support work that we do, which I can definitely talk about. That's that's really fun work. And some of how it's come to be, as, as I said, it's been learnings over time. So years ago, a million years ago, Lindsay and I worked together in Lindsay's Bright program and developed a parent leadership team. We called it the PLT. And that was just partnering with parents who had kids who had gone through the program already. And we worked with them to kind of cultivate what those parents thought would be most useful. So we developed some educational resources and handouts. We developed a survey for um, program leaders to use with parents that was Um, really designed by the wisdom of parents themselves we created like a welcome resource of resources that parents contributed to it we held a parent conference right years ago and then chris and i got to design a support group for parents in chris's bright program that was just really really moving and that was pre-pandemic so those offerings were in person And one of the big pivots since the pandemic has been moving exclusively to virtual, which we feel like opens up access and opportunities for parents and caregivers all over and really all over the country to connect with us around both in ways, both educational opportunities and support opportunities.
1: This has been such a grassroots movement it feels like what what brought you to bright Megan oh, like gosh well i i will say i'm a parent
2: myself but i'm a social worker and i'm a parent and before coming to bright i had i'd worked in schools in d- different capacities so i was i the bulk of my work was really in the full service community schools movement and that work was about how we design schools to think about community partnerships, but also family engagement. So family engagement was like an important structural part of the full-service community school model. So I always loved that aspect of the full-service community school's work, and I worked with an amazing woman, Maria Luisa Arroyo, at the time in Holyoke, Massachusetts, who was a family engagement coordinator in that work and I was really inspired by the expansive and creative ways that she designed family work and it was really a mix of the way it was sort of like partnering with families, as well as creating supports and resources for families and just learned a lot from her. And then I was a school-based therapist for a while. I I was I worked at a district and was the SEL director and did different different things with schools and districts and then my friend and former or at the time colleague moved to Bright to become the Bright director and there was this opportunity to really build up and think about family engagement because in the Bright model, we always said that sort of at the time family engagement was almost seen as like an afterthought and it wasn't a central design component. So that was sort of years ago coming together to think about how to make it a really intentional part of the core model. So I would say loving family engagement work and then really loving schools work and then having this pathway where I got to learn about bright and the bright network, which has just like kind of blown up since then.
0: I bet you've seen a lot of changes. I mean, you highlighting the difference between the in-person meetings and now this amazing new, uh, I want to say norm, that it's okay to meet through computers and have these meetings that way, just completely expanding the breadth of what you do. Thank you for sharing that. Have you seen any other major shifts in the time that you've been at Bright?
2: Well, definitely expansion, you know, just the number of schools, the number of states, it's just, it's just kind of blown up. I think, yeah, I think that pivot to virtual. And I think in terms of like what I would say, we all know that just the pandemic itself and Lindsay remembers this because Lindsay was on the family engagement team at the time, but it was rough, right? It was rough for parents and caregivers and it was, it was exhausting and isolating. And so I think some of the themes that we heard from parents at the time were not new themes but they were just so heightened and painful so those just the exhaustion the self-judgment the, sh- the shame like am I doing this wrong so I think since the pandemic I, I never want to or not since the boomer we're still in it but since that particular time I never want to forget how squeezed and what that experience was for parents and caregivers at that time, because that's that's life for parents and care, caregivers who are parenting during times of particular crisis or challenge in their kids' lives. Then when you put the pandemic around it, it it's the same pressures and stresses and strains. It's just really squeezed. And that was a really compassionate time, I think. Yeah,
0: totally. And I'm sorry, I'm raising my hand because you've made me want to ask you a question. so bad. You know, I think one, yeah, thank you for calling on me. You know, one of the things that I worry about with this podcast is that Lindsay and I are both in high schools. Mm -hmm. And I know that your work is not just with the high school parents. And with the pandemic, being a dad at the time, I was like, I'm really lucky because my kids were of ages where they were straddling I'm going to say what I think was the hardest year, which would have been kindergarten. I couldn't imagine being a kindergarten teacher or a parent of a kid in kindergarten at that time that was really struggling with behavioral or emotional issues. Um, And yeah, so I wonder if you might talk just a little bit about the strength of those parents and some of the things that you saw coming out of the pandemic, specifically from that chapter of the world.
2: Well, I'm sure Lindsay can talk about this too, because Lindsay was there and doing groups and things at that time as well. But I think one of the things that it, it, it just moves me so much, both during that time that you're talking about, the parents you're talking about, Chris, and just in general, is what I've seen over and over again is that parents can be in the hardest, crunchiest place and still want to, and show up for other parents who are going through something like that. So the kindness, the generosity, the care, I just have so many flash memories of that in my mind of that time. And it's so moving, right? Knowing how difficult and hard it can be for any individual particular parent who then hears another parent they may have never met before. Talk about something hard and stressful and how much, they just want to step up, step in, and be there for that parent. So that can be a high school parent who remembers what it was like for it to be a kindergarten parent. It can be across age, race. I have found a consistent compassion that parents hold for each other because it's like this known, really hard experience. And the other thing I remember from that time and and that's total through line any of us who are going through a particularly hard moment or hard time with our kids or in our own lives as parents is how essential hope is. And then the pull that parents want to offer that hope to each other, even if it's hard to find it for themselves in that moment, they want to offer it to another parent. And that's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I so echo that. I remember groups and parents being so generous with each other. And that there was even before the pandemic, this parallel process when you're working with teenagers or kids who are having a hard time when you see them come together with their with other peers who might be having a hard time the hope and support that can buoy them it's the same when parents of those kids come together and that really is so necessary and I love what family engagement helps bright programs focus on family engagement and make sure it's a a essential component of the program because just like the kids need that community parents sometimes even need that community more. So I, I yeah. yeah,
2: I totally agree. And, you know, it can be so isolating for so many different reasons, right? Like parents who um, are, are dealing with a particular challenge in that moment, there's so many appointments or phone calls, and maybe they have to call out of work more, or there's so much to juggle. So sometimes their support, their natural supports can shrink a little bit during those times cuz the soul focuses on what does this child need in this moment and trying to trying to keep all the balls up in the air sometimes parents feel real as i said like some shame or some self blame and uh, is there something wrong with me am i the reason i can't get my child to school i can't help my child feel better i can't help with these worries i can't is there something wrong with me i'm not adequate you know i'm not adequate enough for doing enough and i think um that's isolating too right because then parents might be reaching out less to talk about that if they're feeling self-conscious about that or so i think humanizing that universalizing it like we all have been there one way or another and we can offer that hope to each other that that I see you, I see you, I hear you. I'm in that, like that love, even if these are folks who are coming together never met before this moment, like there's a shared experience we are all having, even if I'm not having it this exact second, we can
0: all relate. I'm so grateful that you're doing it because I think you just hit on my number one concern for parents, how lonely the experience is of having a kid in crisis. Mm -hmm. In part, because we talk so much, I think to our students about the stigma of mental health and trying to tear that down, parents feel it, in my experience, just as much. And so I'm so grateful to you for trying to offer some connectivity between parents to make sure that they don't feel alone in this huge hour of need and actually to to lend strength to one another. I've seen it. It's yeah. awesome what you're doing.
2: Yeah, well, um, and both of you as well, I will say. And, and I just want to call out, I have like an amazing small team of colleagues that um, are just incredible. So um, Lakeisha, Victor, Julie, these are, you know, for any folks who are listening who want to join, I don't know if this is a time for me to talk about what we've got going on, but these are some of the amazing, loving parents who are who are facilitators of these groups as well that are just amazing people.
1: I'm wondering, Megan, before we get to your current offerings, we talked a little bit about what you noticed during the pandemic. What are you noticing now? I know we're still sort of in it. We're not all quarantining anymore, but it's like a different phase, I guess, of the pandemic. What are you noticing parents are most needing now or struggling with? Have there are there themes that are coming up that you're Yeah. yeah. You're so
2: well, So I will say that we did a little survey last year of just kind of topics of interest, like what's on your mind, what are you most interested in connecting to other parents around, and there were some, I would say, some themes that boiled to the top, and some of these are I think topics that I would imagine any parent can relate to, and then some might seem more urgent during those times of crisis when one of your kids is really struggling. But some of the ones that were of most interest was what we called when it's hard to get to school, when it's hard for your kid to get to school for any number of reasons, what that experience is like for the parent. All the messages parents tell themselves about that, all the struggles, all the strategies, trying to think through all the self-talk that happens for parents around that experience. So that's a big one. We always, and again, this, I think many parents can relate to this, but what is my child's relationship with screens? Are screens causing anxiety? Are they causing my kid to have social challenges? They wouldn't otherwise, like all that, you know, all of that stuff. We got a response, which I was really moved in the survey, a real desire to think with other parents on maximizing joy in family life. And so I love that too. And I think that speaks to parents who are going through difficult times as well as just parents in general but that need also for not just hope but humor connection like that that kind of the life force that that parents can really when parents get together can cultivate right Um, either with themselves and then how to bring that joy and laughter and humor and levity and connection back to family life even during a crisis right
1: that's so interesting. It just sort of reminds me a little bit of going through the pandemic and then having this refocus around what's important and what how you want to spend your energy. And I love yeah. that, finding ways to find more joy in your yeah. family. It's great.
2: And I think that to your point too, I, Bright talks about, Bright has a bright mantra that looks at key elements, but I think of just more so kind of thinking about, in schools and and a mantra to, to bring into schools. But part of it is really, really useful information around connection, right? How do we foster connection and how do we foster moderation? That's the other one. And I think, as you all probably remember, in the beginning of the pandemic, when all the schools shut down, nobody knew how to do this, right? Nobody knew how to make your house school. And so I think in the beginning, I remember seeing things being sent around on email and it's like, here's a sample schedule you should use for your kids. And it was like this, this, this. and that idea. I remember that. Yes. (laughs) And it was, and I remember like, you know, recess and like all these things. And it was like, oh my, and snack and like a a color coded schedule. and And I think it really, um, raised that question around perfectionism, the pressure parents put on themselves, all of that, wanting to do right, be right, do the right thing for our kids because we were so out of our element and then bring it back to connection, right? How do we connect um, with our kids and how, when we need to, do we connect with each other as parents and as, you know, so those, I, I was glad to see those kinds of things coming back, maximizing joy in your family life. And yeah, so that was a good one.
0: Are you noticing that some of the groups that you're running online, that you're getting parents from all over the country at this point?
2: So we just started our groups last month, or actually this month, our support groups are starting. Last month, our educational event started. And what we are doing now is we're running current groups. So we have West Coast groups and East Coast groups. And I'll say that First of all, all of these family supports and opportunities, everything is totally free, 100% free. It's virtual online for any parent of anyone K through 12. And the month starts with an educational event. And each month we have a theme of each month. And then the first week of the month starts with an educational event on that theme. And then the week after that is a support group for parents of elementary age kids connected to that theme. The third week of the month is a support group connected to that theme for parents of middle and high school age kids. And then the last week of the month is a BIPOC affinity support group connected to that theme for parents and parents of color, caregivers of color. So we offer separate groups for elementary, parents of elementary, parents of middle high, BIPOC parents, and then we offer East coast time and West coast time. So they're always at 7 PM, but that can be West coast time or, or East coast time. We do happen to have a cluster and a collection of quite a few bright programs in the state of Oregon. So we definitely promote in the state of Oregon, but any parents in the West coast can come to the East coast time or not, you know, it's just open to everybody.
0: So the October theme is what parents need to know from kids about supporting their mental health, correct? Yes.
2: Yes. And
0: and I'm curious because you've got such a robust plan for this year. Which month are you most excited about the theme?
2: Well, I had mentioned with that survey, parents were interested in maximizing joy in your family life. So I just think that's gonna be a really fun one. Next month, we have the theme communicating around conflict and kind of big feelings and hot tempers. And this is something that I think we have a really great, fabulous child therapist, who's also a parent, who's gonna be doing that educational event. And I just think that is a topic that a lot of folks can relate to. And there's a lot of learning we can do around that, but a lot of connecting and support and um, resonance we kind of can share with each other around that. So it's like a perfect topic for both learning and support. And my hope is all of these themes will be a good balance of learning and support each month.
1: Can you talk a little bit, Megan, about the format of the educational series versus the support groups?
2: Yeah, yeah. So the educational series usually has either one speaker coming or a panel. And I'll say this about the educational series. So it's the it's the first week of every month. And it is totally confidential. The way we do it, we have the family engagement folks with the trainer or speaker are on a Zoom, but all the parents watch it through a YouTube live. So your face isn't on it, your Your name isn't associated with it, but you can ask questions. So it's interactive. You can ask a question in the chat. We go back and forth. We can pick up the questions and ask the speaker or trainer. So if you have a particular question, so a lot of these are trainers are coming in that have expertise in their field. Last year there was parenting in a digital age, right? That question around screens and all that. We had an author who wrote a book about that, also a parent who's done a ton of research on it. So that was a popular one. And we will have her again in September, the woman who's a parent who had her own personal story and started a network on school avoidance, the School Avoidance Alliance. So she runs that whole network. She's a parent with a personal experience with this. So the educational series, it usually is, is a trainer or a panel of multiple perspectives of people. And sometimes we've had in the past parents who have direct experience with that. This last one we just did was just all young people. It was all youth. That perspective was really what do young people, what are they naming that parent, that they really appreciate their parents do during times of crisis or in navigating mental health? What do they wish their parents done? Like, what are the lessons learned? What should we be learning from the wisdom of young people around these things? So that's the educational series. Again, parents will log in, but they're just watching it separately from a YouTube live and can ans- ask their own questions. The support groups are on Zoom. You can have your camera on or off. They're they're not clinical groups, they're peer groups. So it's really by parents, for parents. It's really a time for parents to come together and get support from each other. Whereas the educational event is more of this content expert coming in, usually.
0: I love that. And it's to me, it's so important that um, we have this breadth of many different kinds of groups. I think as Bright has grown, separating elementary parents, middle and high school parents, that's critical. The BIPOC group, I cannot begin to speak to like for me, like how important I think that is. Can you talk a little bit more about how you've designed these three groups and go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think when we started, it was just everything was all together. And we really, in terms of the BIPOC affinity group, really, really wanted to be able to create space and create opportunity for BIPOC parents to come together in affinity group with, with each other, with BIPOC identified facilitators to just kind of create that separate space. And our, certainly our groups are, are, open. And then the elementary and middle high, this is the first year we've separated that way because what we realized some of these topics, as you were saying, Chris, as a parent of a kindergartner versus a parent of a senior, some of these topics are going to shake out differently. And, And I know that there were program leaders who were wary of sending elementary parents to a space that might be talking about really sensitive topics around you know we've got one later in the year around self-injury and and things like that and so just being mindful of topics how they may show up differently you know we've got one that's the well child syndrome so a group for parents to think about the impact on siblings if they have one child who's really struggling and what is that experience for the siblings. And so thinking about that from an elementary perspective, if your kids, your siblings are elementary kids, what what might the experiences be? What might they be going through versus high school? So I'm really glad we separated that this year. And I'm, I'm hoping that will, that parents will appreciate that as well.
1: How do parents find the groups? and the educational series.
2: Yay, nice. We are always trying to think about what are the best ways to promote this? That's like a big question in need of ours to think, how do we do this? Because we can certainly promote it through bright programs. And we do, We we really ask our bright program leaders because they are the direct link to their own parents. So we'll send sample emails they can send out to their parents. We send the flyers and things like that. And we ask them to share with their whole school too. Like if your school sends out a home newsletter, please include it. But we've wondered, we've really wondered how to get the word out to folks who might not be connected to a Bright program. So we have a a parent uh, Facebook page, um, which you can search for Bright Parent on the Facebook page, and that's a um, a group where we post resources and things. We um, sometimes we do just kind of cold outreach to either other districts or even we've shared it with hospitals and things. So and yeah, anyway, Bright Spot can like share our flyer. The if you if you see our flyer, it has direct links to both. We have an East Coast flyer and a West Coast flyer. Um,
1: and it's it's correct, right, Megan? That like if a parent searched. Bright family engagement or something on Google or on YouTube. There are past
2: um, educational series
1: available. All those.
2: Yep. Yep. We have all of those. And yeah. And you can watch those at any time.
0: And I'm guessing that our listeners are going to remember this because of the spelling of our our name, but B R Y T for in case this reaches somebody who's not affiliated with a Bright program. That's how you want to search.
2: Yeah. Um, And I would say if someone's listening and not affiliated with a bright program and is really struggling right now in any of these ways, like feeling alone, feeling overwhelmed, just really hungry to connect with other parents, other parents feel that way too. Like you, you are not the only one who's feeling that way. And we really would love to meet meet you. We really, really would. It's such a warm group of facilitators and we would love to connect with you and hope that you can find your way to us because we'd love to meet you.
0: Well, I think this is awesome and I want to kind of give you an open forum Megan if there are other things that you really want to make sure we hit on Lindsay and I have been so excited like as we started to think about this year and we really wanted to focus on hearing from more folks hearing from more folks at Bright internally, but also really focusing on parents. You were the first person we both thought of in terms of bringing on and making sure that we connected with early. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess this is a long-winded thank you, but also giving you the floor to talk about literally anything you want.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I also just wanna thank you so much and then anyone who's listening, because if you're listening, what that says to me is you care about kids, you care about parents, you care about mental health, you care about schools and all the ways that those things connect. And I just feel like we have to find each other. We have to connect with each other because it's hard. The long road here is hard when our kids are struggling and things do shift and change, but we really need each other to get through. So I guess that's what I would want to say. And I just thank you both for doing this podcast and bringing in more people. And I would love to later on send you names of folks who I think would be amazing on the podcast to share other parents who are doing great work. And I just thank you both so much.
1: Thank you, Megan. We would love that. And thanks so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you guys.
0: All right. Well, we'll end there. Thanks listeners. And we'll connect with you again soon. Each podcast, we end Bright Spot with 15 seconds for you, our listeners, to take a few deep breaths. It's so important. And we know that we all need to make time for it. Get comfortable. We're going to try it now. If you're driving, do not close your eyes.
1: In just a moment, I'm going to stop speaking and go radio silent for about 15 seconds. I'll let you know when we're done. Here we go. Until next time, take care.